Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the word of God. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. I got my luggage at 2 o'clock this morning from the airline. I said, it's a mystery to me how you can find Chicago in a fog, but you can't find my suitcase. I checked in the other day, and the, the lady, they called me Pastor Mahaney there at the airport in Little Rock. And she said, where would you like your luggage to go? And I said, I want this one to go to Miami, Florida, and this one to go to uh, Vancouver, Canada. She said, we can't do that. And I said, you done it last week. <laughs> Hallelujah. Life is exciting. I said, life is exciting. I'm talking about real life. Uh, we was on a plane coming back from conference Monday evening, and our plane was late, and I was sitting by Sister Nona Freeman and her daughter and brother and sister Beckton, Cleveland Beckton, and those were in front of us. And, and uh, the steward, when I walked on the plane, the stewardess, the flight attendant, whatever you call them, said, How's everything going? I said, I'm blessed of the Lord, Mama. And so a little while she came back, she said, boy, I feel the Holy Spirit on this plane. She said, it's like being in a church house. And, and uh, I introduced her to Sister Freeman. I said, her and her husband went to the continent of Africa in 1948 as uh, missionaries. And, and she said, that's all. She said, what do you do? And I said, I'm a prison chaplain. And, and uh, I excelled in that because I... Oh, was such a good boy scout, and, and then we got tickled. And, and she said, my son's going to prison. She said, I'm so heavy. And, I, and, and, and she said something about the Holy Spirit. I said, what do, you, what do you know about the Holy Spirit? And she said, I've spoken in tongues. And so I said, let's just pray. She got down on her knees there on the airplane with front of Sister uh, Freeman and I, and we laid hands on her and prayed for her. She said, I feel such a relief. And Brother Beckton happened to see it, and he come back and laid hands on her. And, and uh, it's just it's exciting living for God. The first time I ever smoked a joint, I was trying to find what I got right now. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. First time I ever drank Thunderbird or Boone's Farm or Strawberry Hill or Mad Dog 2020 or Aqua Velva Shaving Lotion, I was trying to find what I got right now. Hallelujah. Praise God. My wife said to greet you in Jesus' name, and she apologized for her husband. I said, what are you talking about? She said, they'll know before tomorrow night's over with. Hallelujah. Especially excited to have my cousin, James Valentine Bauer, the second, second here in his sweet wife. Hallelujah. <laughs> Told him I was going to preach on backslid relatives. He said, I'll just come out and show him one. Hallelujah. No, I didn't. Hallelujah. But I love Jim and his wife and, and uh, glad they're here. They're from the Gentile side of the family. <laughs> Reading two portions of Scripture with you. 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. 1 Corinthians fifteen thirty-two, And then Acts 20. 
Hey, we got it up here on the giant screen TV. Hallelujah. If after the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantage it to me if the dead rise not? Let us eat, drink, for tomorrow we die. We're going to do that last phrase and the second to the last phrase after service and leave off the last phrase. If after the manner of men I have fought with beast at Ephesus. Everybody say, the beast at Ephesus. Then I want you to read Acts 20 with me, verse 28. Acts 20, verse 28. Take heed therefore unto yourselves, unto the flock of, of, over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. Next scripture, please. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Want to preach a little while, teach a little while, treach, whatever you want to call it, on the third crossing. Hallelujah. The third crossing. You may be seated. God bless you all. Praise God. Praise God. Uh, Jim's little brother, my cousin, uh, he and I uh, have always been real close. He said, Charlie, you've always been my hero. And, and uh, when I, he came over one day and I said, uh, Steve, I hadn't been to jail in over a week. That was a record back in those days for me. And I said, I hadn't been drunk in a week. I don't smoke anymore. My wife doesn't have to hide from me. He said, yeah, we'll see how long that lasts been about 36 years and I still got it. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. We was home at Christmas time and, and uh, it wasn't Christmas time. We had a family reunion. We got a, uh, just when we get a chance, we have a family reunion because we got to catch them while they're out. Hallelujah. And uh, I was talking to my little sister, Judy, and, and she said, I remember when you was young, Charlie, we used to come to jail and we'd describe your Christmas and birthday presents to you. I didn't get to play with them, but I got to play with them in my mind. Hallelujah. We, they describe our presents to us, and, or my presents to me. But uh, I want to talk to you about the third crossing. There's always a problem in the process. It's not what you go through, it's how you go through it. Say, well, you've never had any problems. Uh-huh. Walt Disney should have had your imagination. Come on, I've had problems. I'll share this with you. I've never shared with any other church in our movement, but I'm overweight. A little bit crazy. The happiest five, eight years of my life was the fifth grade. Hallelujah. Say hallelujah, buddy. All right. Hallelujah. But any time you cross from this point to another point, there's always a problem in the process. When Israel crossed out of Egypt and crossed into the promised land, there were some Amalekites, and God said, they're going to make war with you forever. And then when they was ready to take the promised land and make that crossing, there was giants they had to overcome. And then when Jesus came and, and the Messiah 
and said, I'm the Son of God, I am the Messiah, there was religion that he had to contend with. And when you decide to make up your mind to serve God, there's the will that you have to fight and battle and contend with. Paul said, I want to do good, but evil's always there. Come on. You see, when there's, you're trying to have faith, there's always reason. When you're trying to worship, somebody's going to say it's fanaticism. But Paul said, after the way that's called heresy, that's the way I worship the God of my fathers. When you decide to get into stewardship, I had a guy tell me the other day, he said, I don't tithe. And I said, most thieves don't, buddy. Hallelujah. Come on. I said, if you could look into heaven, you could see your picture on wanted posters, wanted for robbing God. Angels got your picture on milk cartons, homie. Hallelujah. Come on. Somebody said, well, I need that 100%. I'd rather have 90% with God's blessing on it as 100% with God's curse on it. See, even in stewardship, there's a fear. But wisdom is better than knowledge because wisdom tells us how to operate in knowledge. When you say knowledge, it automatically presupposes ignorance. I told a guy on the airplane that I said, man, you're probably you're ignorant, buddy. Hallelujah. Well, he got upset. There's nothing wrong with being ignorant. I'm ignorant about some things. I'm ignorant about the law of thermodynamics and inertia and entropy. And... Come on. Now I must cease from my verbiage lest I become inebriated on the exuberance of my own verbosity. <laughs> That's where all intellectuals gather in Kansas City. Hallelujah. But when you say knowledge, it presupposes ignorance, and, and, and to gain knowledge, you have to have a medium of a teacher or a classroom or a, a DVD or a video or something, but God has all knowledge. Come on. And the gift of the Spirit imparts a word of that knowledge to us so we'll know how to have knowledge to operate in the wisdom that God gives us. See, there's not one modicum of information anywhere in the universe that God doesn't know about. If there was, then his deity would break down at that point. See, God knows what you're going to go through. You don't, but circumstances dictate to you what you go through. Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, and, and, and he wrote three times to the church at Ephesus. Number one, he said, he said uh, I wrestle wild beasts to bring this church in. There's no scholarship in the early church fathers or any history where it said Paul was cast into a, an arena with a wild animal. I believe Paul wrestles spirits. Come on, our warfare is not flesh and blood, but it's principalities and power and spiritual wickedness in high places. Come on, our battle is not flesh and blood. If it was, I'd do three setups a day instead of two. I'd get buffed up, baby. Hallelujah. Our battle is spirit battles. Paul walked in by himself to that church in Ephesus, and uh, it's an it's a awesome place to see this, this uh, pillars and colonnades, and Paul walked in there, the most wicked city of his day, by himself, and walked out three and a half years later with 95,000 converts. And Paul said, it happened because I wrestled a wild beast at Ephesus. Come on. There's two spirits that work in the world today. There's the spirit that works in the children of disobedience, and then there's the Holy Spirit that works in the children of righteousness, and those two can never agree together. 
See, the children of disobedience are always going to have the money. They're always going to have the talent. They're always going to have the numbers. But the children of obedience is going to have the anointing, and I'll trade it all for the anointing of God. See, where God used to live in our ego, now our ego's gone, and he lives in, in that inner sanctum, sanctum where the presence of God lives. Come on, I'm talking about the third crossing. This church has moved from one place, the old building. Now, let's just forget 40th and Harrison. But I'm talking about the old building. Then it moved to the other auditorium here, and I believe that the third move is going to be into that place where you can have a revival baby that's been kicking in the womb of this church all these years. Hallelujah. See, Paul talked about spirits. He said, he said uh, now, now, now watch, he said, I, I won this revival, this church, by wrestling the beast at Ephesus. Some of the teachers think that there was a prince devil that Paul whipped and Paul overcame. And then Paul's, in the 20th chapter of the book of Acts, the elders of Ephesus come out, and Paul said, I've got a word for you before I leave. He said, after I leave, grievous wolves are going to come in. He not only told them that they were, the beast was coming back, he told them what the nature of the beast would be, what to look for when that beast came back. And then a quarter of a century later, John the Revelator writes to the church at Ephesus and said, you've lost your first love. Come on, it doesn't mean chronological love, it means honeymoon love. Remember when you was in love with that gal? Come on, remember when you'd rather be with her than anybody else in the world? We was riding along the other day, and my wife said, Honey, remember how close we used to sit together in the car when we was going together and first got married? I said, I never moved, Mama. <laughs> Come on. Guy told his girlfriend, said, Give me a kiss, baby, and she just sat there, and he said, Come on, give me a kiss, and she just sat there. He said, What's wrong with you? Are you deaf? And she said, Are you paralyzed? I think maybe God thinks his church is paralyzed sometime. Come on. We've lost our first love. We've got to sing it faster, and we've got to, we've got to send everybody to a music conference, and we've got to uh, rev it up and get it hotter and faster. When you got to first love, you don't even care if they got any music. Come on, when you got that first love, you don't care what's going on. You've got one thing on your mind. I've come to keep a date with Jesus. I've come to worship him. I've come to adore him. See, it's not going through the emotions. It's not going through the, emo the emotions. It's that first love. So somehow between when Paul wrestled the beast and he warned him that the wolves are coming, and then he said, you've lost that first love. Somehow, that church missed their third crossing. And I want to rise up and tell you that our, our warfare is against spirits in these last days. Come on, wolves, grievous wolves. Grievous wolves. I've never seen a man I was afraid of. I've never seen a crowd I was afraid of. I've never seen a devil. I'm not afraid of every bald-headed, buck-toothed, knock-kneed, yellow-bellied, bull-legged, skimp-backed devil. You can get in KCMO. There's one thing that frightens me, though. It's a dog. 
I can be in a crowd of 100 people. If there's a biting dog, it'll say, hey, look, a buffet, and it'll nail me. Remember when I first got in church, we decided to go knock on some doors, and I said, I'll do the talking. I used to sell elevator tickets in one-story buildings before I was a preacher. So we got some tracks. We walked up, and the guy said, who'll do the talking? I said, I'll do the talking. I'll schmooze with them, and, and I'll pray. Them. I couldn't imagine anybody that got a chance at eternal life that didn't have to go to hell forever and forever and forever. Come on. They could have all the joy and peace and righteousness. Have your home put back together. My wife was saving money to divorce me when I got the Holy Ghost and, and uh, God put our home back together. I couldn't imagine anybody saying, duh, no, I want to go to hell. I want the devil kicking the fire out of me. So I said, I'll pray him through. And I walked, and, and I'd read that morning that a German shepherd has 80 pounds jaw pressure when it bites down. So I walked up and knocked on the door, blap, 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 and, and the lady hollered, just a minute, and the other guys couldn't get in the gate. And I looked up, coming around the corner of the house was a big black German shepherd dog. It was coming so fast it's, it spun out. You ever seen one spin out trying to make a turn, trying to get to you? And what crossed my mind is, uh, uh, what's that woman got a Shetland pony in the yard for? And I realized that's not a Shetland pony. That's a dog that's coming after me. And the devil said, he's going to nail you, Mahaney. I said, the first time you ever told the truth, it had to be on me. And the other guys are hollering, run. I was too fat. I couldn't get over the fence. So I just closed my eyes and lifted my hands. So I said, God, you del delivered David from the lion and the bear. You can deliver Charlie. And that dog just Rawr! right down around my ankle. And it felt real funny, and it nailed me again. About that time, the lady stepped out and said, oh, don't worry. We had all of his teeth pulled so it couldn't hurt anybody. And I said, what? She said, we had all of his teeth pulled. I said, get out of here. About that time, the other young men started. I said, come in, almighty men of valor. I said, that dog reminds me of the devil. He barks and he growls and makes all that racket, but when he gets there, he can't do anything. 1,900 years ago, God pulled his teeth on a no-rugged cross. Hallelujah. 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 For you visitors, he's not shouting. We got a track team he's trying out for here in the church. Hallelujah. See, Paul said, grievous wolves. See, a lion will come right at you. I've been in Arkansas too long. A lion will come right at you. At you. Hallelujah. We got different terminology in Arkansas than anywhere else. Mayonnaise means mayonnaise a deer standing over. Hallelujah. A bear will come at you and, and, and just head on. A bull will charge anything that moves. It's not a red cape that a bull charges. It's movement. There's people with spirits like that. Any move, they want to they attack it. Sunday night at General Conference, we had 438 people get the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Had right around 200 baptized. Somebody said, well, it's probably all retreads. Just want to attack that bull spirit, bulls of Bashan. 
They would stick stuff in them and get them so tormented. You know what a lot of our problem is? Well, there's areas in our life we can't control, so we want to control everybody else's life, and we can't even control our own life. Come on, I'm not going to psychoanalyze you because I'm not qualified. I had a guy tell me one day, he said, you're schizophrenic, and I said, we're glad to be here. Hallelujah. But I'm not going to be paranoid even if everybody is out to get me. Hallelujah. Just want to attack everything. But Paul identifies the spirit that's coming. He said it's a wolf. A wolf is different than any other animal in its cadaverous wonderings and accomplishments. See, a wolf won't come at you head on. A wolf just waits and circles. And at night he howls in the dark. You just get a glimpse of a wolf. Hey, there he is. No, he ain't. Come on. The wolf wears you down. He's here, you see him, then he's gone. They travel in packs and they watch for stragglers. I'm going to tell you what, lone rangers usually become lone strangers. Come on, you know they're there, you sense they're there. And I don't know why, but a wolf has a, some kind of a sense that when somebody becomes wounded, that wolf can pick up on that wounded person and Come on. He doesn't attack you on Sunday night when everything's going good. Come on. He attacks you when there's a little wound there. Somebody says something they shouldn't have said. And boy, there's plenty of people in Pentecost that'll run their head and say things they shouldn't say. It's better to be quiet and be thought a fool as open your mouth and remove all doubt. Come on. Had a lady tell me one time, she said, I think I'll give you a piece of my mind. I said, you better keep all you got, mama. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know people who look just like they just jumped off the cover of the Pentecostal Herald, and their tongue is so long they can sit in the front room and lick a skillet in the kitchen. That's that wolf spirit. You know what my son told me the other day? We was just schmoozing, and we was together in a hotel room up at conference and we was laying there talking and he said you know what dad I never quit loving God when I was out in the world he said but Pentecostal people are the meanest people that ever lived I said am I he said no you're not I said how about brother Gleason he told me he said of all your friends and that includes Jimmy Larson Rex Johnson Kenneth Haney yada yada he said I love brother Gleason more than any of them he said I wished I was close enough where brother Gleason could be my pastor hallelujah <laughs> hallelujah I said but he's ugly son he said you're not exactly a film star dad and I love you hallelujah mouthy kid hallelujah and I said no, it's that spirit. When, when, when a wolf can sense somebody that's wounded and the wounded person sends off some kind of a scent, a signal, and that wolf will get after him. Come on. They release an odor of some kind. That's what Paul was talking about when he wrote to the church at Ephesus and he said evil communications corrupt good manners. If you have evil communication... It corrupts your manners when you come into the presence of God and when you're interacting with the brothers in your church. Come on. See, he addressed spiritual warfare to the church at Ephesus more than any other church in the Bible. He said, don't judge, don't criticize, 
don't murmur. Why? Because it, has, it, it isolates you and the wolf spirit can attack you. Somebody asked me the other day, so what do you think about the Pope? I said, I don't think about the Pope. Some TV preacher was in a jam. They said, what do you think about him? I said, I don't think about the dude. Come on. I'm not going to rent my mind space out to things that doesn't enhance the kingdom. Paul said, all things are lawful unto me. Think about that. Paul said, all things are lawful unto me. But they're not expedient. Expedient means they don't help me progress on my journey. Come on. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you what. God is so awesome. If you ever feel him, you'll never be happy until you feel him again. If you're ever in his presence, you'll never be happy until you're in his presence again. If you ever touch him, you'll never be happy until you touch him again. If you ever hear him, you'll never be happy until you hear him again. What's God like? God's not a mean, judgmental God. God said, the only way I can show you is I've got to give you a picture of what I'm like. So God wrapped himself in flesh. He told a woman taken in adultery. He said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Come on. Boy, he got out of religion there, didn't he? We'd have said, why are you dirty, filthy, no good? Jesus said, just don't do it anymore. Come on. Come on. Hallelujah. Never was judgmental. Didn't come to judge. He came to set free. And we need enough. Jesus had enough sense to, to pick his battles. They got on him in Nazareth, his hometown. And Jesus said, the anointing of the Lord, Ruach HaKadosh, is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach deliverance to the captives. And he went down the list. And he said, this day, this day, that scripture has been fulfilled in your sight. And they said, let's get him. This is the son of Mary and Joseph. See, they were so involved in his doing, they forgot to get involved in his being. When John the Revelator was captive on the Isle of Patmos, he saw Babylon. But when God lifted him up, he saw New Jerusalem. It's your perspective. Come on. Somebody said, do I have to go to church? No, ignorant, you get to go to church. Had a guy on the plane the other day said, you mean I have to have the Holy Ghost? I said, have to have the Holy Ghost? You're asking me, do you have to let the spirit that flung the stars to the farthest corner of the night, the most awesome, you have to let him live in you? I get to have him living in me. And I give him a little demonstration how I knew when I got it. I spoke in tongues for him. <laughs> Hallelujah. See, it's your perspective. Paul said, don't be critical. Don't murmur. You know what got my kids nothing more than anything? Of course, I didn't like to give stuff away and spend money anyway. But my kids would say, Dad, I want this. And they'd always start it up in the mall where I couldn't beat them. I grabbed Mike one day. I said, boy, I'm going to beat you like a yard dog if you don't shut up. He said, he said they'll come and take me away from you. I said, tell them suckers to get over here. I'll, I'll look up the number for you. He said, they told us in school that if there's any sign of child abuse in the home, that they'll put somebody from the DHS to come in and live in the house with you. 
I said, that'd be nuts. I'd have them crazy in three weeks. They'd be scratching their belly and howling at the moon. They'd have a wolf speared on them. Come on, Dad. But you know how my kids got things for me? They'd come up and say, Dad, you are built so good. <laughs> Dad, you got the coolest hair. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If I was working on my comb over, I wouldn't be laughing at people, Bubba. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Dad, there ain't nobody can play ball like you. You got that right. Boy, Dad, you really preached Sunday night. It was awesome. Dad, you're the greatest preacher in Pentecost. There ain't nobody can preach like you. What do you want, boy? See, that's how we get stuff from our father. He's not our bellhop. All right, God, I demand you get it. You come to him, it's called schmoozing. I love you, Jesus. Oh, there's no God like you. Come on, God. I know you don't want me driving that piece of junk. I'm your child. Come on. I was needing to trade cars a while back, and I said, God, if you don't help me, I'm going to get a bumper sticker and put one on the front and one on the back of my car. God is my source. <laughs> you know what's wrong with the Gentile church? It has no concept of wrestling with God. The Jews wrestle with God until they get what? Well, that's, that's where Israel came from. They wouldn't have been in Israel. It would have been the Eber, the people that crossed over the sea. But... Jacob wrestled with God, and God said, I'm changing your name. Come on. You're not con man and supplanter anymore. You're Israel, the man that wrestles with God. Hallelujah. See, criticism isolates you. That wolf spirit knows how to get to you once you're isolated. The wolf spirit is a coward. How do you detect? Where's the wolf spirit? He doesn't come head on. You know what he does? He leans against the wall in the foyer. He's pulling chicken bones apart at Shoney's. Come on. He's setting them at somebody's house in home care groups. Well, what do we need a new church for? Let me tell you something, homie. If you're going to have the baby, you need to build a nursery to stick it in. Just drops a word here or there. I was preaching. I don't want to say where it was at because you're getting a heap of trouble. And uh, I was preaching at this church, and I walked in and sat down. The ushers brought me a glass of water, and, and uh, God spoke to me. and said, go out to the water fountain. I said, God, I got a glass of water there. And God said, why do you always argue with me, boy? Go to the water fountain. I went out there, and I was waiting for this old man to get a drink, and he looked up at me and said, You the preacher? I said, Doing my best, Pop. What kind are you? And I said, A humdinger, buddy. Hallelujah. He said, I don't trust preachers. I said, Why? And he said, 37 years ago, we had a pastor here we liked, and he took $35 out of the church treasury without asking us and went to the general convention. I said, shame, shame, shame. 
And he let that wolf spirit get in him until he got to where he didn't trust any preacher. I said, how many kids you got? And he said, I got eight of them. No, nine. And I thought in my mind, never heard of birth control. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I can't help what I think. I, I don't have to entertain the thought. I said, how many of your kids are saved? He said, none of them. I said, why? And he said, they don't trust preachers. <laughs> I trust this man more than I trust anybody else in the world. Come on. Two of us, me and you, Gary. We love to carry stand bone around here on our shoulders here in a minute. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on. Somebody said, how much you make preaching? I don't make much money, but you ought to see the retirement plan. When I first started, I prayed, God, keep me poor and humble. And God's kept me humble, and churches have kept me poor. <laughs> but it's worth it. Had one little preacher walk up to me at conference and said, I want to hug you, prophet. And I hugged him, and he said, if it wasn't for you preaching, when I was nine years old, I'd never be in church. I was lost, come from a broken home. The wolf had torn my home apart. And he said, you came and preached, and you loved me, and you cared about me. Hugged me, said, I just got to, I said, thank you, Johnny. Johnny Arcovio, pastor's up here in St. Croix or somewhere. Where? St. Joseph. Hallelujah. Come on. See, it's, the enemy attacks when you're wary. Right in the middle of a trial. Jesus was with the beast in the wilderness for 40 days. Devil never got on him the first. He waited till he was faint and tired. And the enemy knew just when to measure Esau when he stepped out of those woods. Stirring that bowl of pinto beans and hallelujah, sausage and rice and potato salad and Fajitas already. Hallelujah. Wonder where we're going to eat today. Fajitas. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he got him right at the right moment. See the enemy attacks when your family's gone crazy. When your finances are upside down. Come on. When everything's gone. Just about three months before my son came back and he was here a few months ago and sang for you guys. And, uh, ugly but he's a good singer hallelujah when he was born I told my dad I said that boy's ugly my dad said you ought to see you boy hallelujah I said we had to tie a pork chop around your neck so the dog could play with it you was an ugly boy hallelujah but about three months before Nick prayed through I had a preacher come to me and said you and sister Mahaney need to give up on that boy he was going to court getting ready to be sentenced. The lawyer said he'd probably get 40 years to life. They had mercy on him. They gave him 150 months in the penitentiary. And he said, Dad, if you hadn't put your life into prison ministry, there would have been nothing there to catch me when I fell through the cracks. So what you build is what usually catches and saves us. But this preacher told me, he said, give up on Nick. He's not coming back. He said, he's too far gone. You and Sister Mahaney grieving over that boy? He's no good. Give up on him. Turned around, walked away, and God spoke to me. He said, don't you listen. 
He said, because when you confess your family, you're lining up your confession with me, and you're ignoring the wolf spirit. And all of a sudden, God said, remember the, the dragon in the book of Revelation had water coming out of his mouth? He said, you can speak the word with, from dragon flesh. So that boy's coming back. Hallelujah. Come on. I've had a lot of times I could have quit. I've had a lot of times it'd been easier to quit. Come on. But the devil can't read your mind, but he studies your character. And he watches how you react to things. He watches how you react to things. So you know what you need to do? You need to worship even if you don't feel like it. Say, well, that's, that's hypocritical. No, it ain't. That's showing the devil you believe more in your worship and your contact with God than you do him. See, you control the situation, and the situation doesn't control you anymore. You can't get isolated and critical and disconnected. Come on. I wonder who, next time I come, I'll say, where's he? And Well, he got dragon, and the wolf got him. Come on, you let a roar steal your destiny. Satan hates to lose control. Adam worshiped without a sense of fear, guilt, or condemnation. There was nothing in the Garden of Eden to divert Adam's attention from his lover, his God. There was no devil to divide his loyalty, no thought against the will of God. He lived in constant embrace of God. And Satan came with his subtlety and twisted the scripture. Everybody say, God, I build a hedge. I build a hedge. Now you hear me. If there's a devil anywhere in the area, he'll hunt a building program. Come on. Because you've given, you've pushed, you've wept, you've cried. When I first started preaching, I saw a vision of me prophesying. And when I started prophesying, bread started coming. This is when I first started preaching, before I ever pastored, before I ever evangelized. When I was just trying, I'd get off and preach by myself in the bedroom. Make my wife and little Nikki. I, you ever do that? Any of you guys preachers ever preach to you? If you hadn't, you need to try it. Hallelujah. Come on, get in front of a mirror and preach. I tell you what, you're in front of these glass pulpits. You got any fixing to do? You better get it fixed before you get in front of that pulpit. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad you're not this crazy? Huh? But I was practicing in front of the mirror and trying to get a hold of God. And all of a sudden, God spoke to me and said, I want you to see something. And I saw a church on a hill. And I saw bread coming down. I was prophesying in that church. And God said, someday. There's a church that's not even yet that you're going to prophesy in and preach in. And the first time Brother Gleason took me to that property, I got my cell phone. I said, honey, remember me telling you about that vision I was prophesying in that church? Hill today, it's the same hill. Come on. Come on. Just like the old prophet had a rock with all the marks on it. Every time he prayed for you, God showed me. <laughs> I was at conference and Brother Ronnie Macy, you know Ronnie, pastor's Royal Wood Pentecostal Church in, in uh, Houston. He came up to me and he said, 
Brother Mahaney, remember that revival you preached? And I said, well, I preached you several, Ronnie. What are you talking about? Preached one revival that it exploded, and we couldn't take care of it in the church, and we had to rent a tent, and we moved a revival outside. And when we was putting that tent up, there was an old elder came to us with tears running down his face. And Ronnie said, what's wrong? He called his name. He called, I can't remember his name. And I said, what's wrong, elder? He opened up his Bible. His hands were shaking like that. And I said, what is it? He said, right here. Eight years before I got in church, when I was drunk and high and sitting in the pea farm, living a life for the devil, there was a prophecy went forth in that church. Harry Haygood was the pastor. And the prophecy said, someday... I'm going to send a man to this place. And you're going to have such a revival, you'll have to move the church, the revival outside the building. And in the prophecy, he wrote it down eight years before I got saved. He said the man's name will be Mahaney. And he spelled it M-A-H-A-N-I-E. The old man didn't know how to spell. God did. Come on, we're not just blundering around. We're, we're, we're on God's timetable. We're, we're right in the will of God. Had a pastor call me this morning crying. He said, I've had four families leave me because of jobs. And I said, if God sends a saint to a church, they're just as obligated to that church as the pastor or the church staff is. Come on. Well, I can go over here and I can make 50 bucks more that week. Well, what if I'd say I'm not going to preach here tonight because I can go over here and preach for Arcovi or Smith and make $25 more than Gleason's going to give me. Hallelujah. And I'm not because I preach for those guys and I preach for Gleason. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you this. I'm not. This is just an honest fact. I've been an evangelist for 32 and a half years, and he gave me the greatest offering I've ever had in a revival. Hallelujah. I had to put up with his junk for two weeks, so I, I should have got more. Hallelujah. See, the Bible said I sought for a man to stand in the gap and make up the hedge because the destroyer was coming. And it, boy, there's an interesting Hebrew play on the word. The same word for destroyer is wolf. Hallelujah. The same word for fox. They told Herod, said Herod, uh, told Jesus, said Herod's after you. And he said, you tell that fox, I'll be right here three days. The same word in the Hebrew for fox means the effeminate one. They said, Herod's after you. He said, you tell that sissy, I'll be right here three days. Isn't God cool? <laughs> Isn't God cool? And the same word for destroyer is wolf. He said, I sought for a man to stand in the gap and make up the hedge because the destroyer was coming, the wolf was coming, but I couldn't find a man. The gap in the hedge is a difference from where we're at to where we need to be to keep all the things out that's trying to destroy. I want you to lift your hands. Say, I'm the man in the gap today. I'm standing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want some of you men to walk up here and stand around Brother Gleason. Some of you ladies around Sister Gleason. Hallelujah. I'm going to stand in the hedge and make up the gap. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand in the gap. 
I refuse a critical spirit. I refuse a judgmentalist spirit. I refuse something that will allow the wolf, the destroyer, to come in and devour my relationship and devour my family. Now everybody lift your hands to God and say, God, I worship you. God, I worship you. God, I worship you. Everybody say in Jesus' name. Thank you for praying. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Everybody say in Jesus' name. I'm going to tell you some men something while we're praying here. Any preacher that ever comes and says, Pray for your pastor. Never lay hands on his head because Christ is his head. You lay hands on his shoulders. That's where he carries a burden for you. Everybody say in Jesus' name. Say in Jesus' name. Say in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now, I may, be, I may be putting Brother Gleason on the spot, but I don't think there's another evangelist in our movement that comes and ministers here that is more concerned over your pastor in this church than I am. There's not a week that I don't call and say, I'm praying for you, Stan. He said, I need an Ollie. We call each other Stan and Ollie. I don't know what that is. I love you. Gleason. Everybody say, we love you, Brother Gleason. Say again, glad to have my cousin here. He's my, camp he's my uh, finance manager. When I have to preach twice, that's time and a half. You know that, don't you? <laughs> Let's thank the Lord for Brother Mahaney. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the word. Thank you for the ministry. Praise God. Praise God. Let's stand. Isn't it exciting to know that uh, just what Brother Mahaney shared with us today, uh, the vision that God had given him when he was early on in his ministry. And, and uh, he's from Wichita. He spent some time in Kansas City uh, before he knew the Lord. And it's a thrill to, to know that, that God had this church in mind and showed him that vision. And it's exciting to be a part of that. Amen? Amen. Well, we've run right up on the church time. So we're going to not take too much time here. We're going to get started right away. In fact, if you need to take a break, then just go ahead and take it. But we're going to get started in our service here in just about two minutes. Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at the Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.